Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. This is Backroom Politics In-Depth, live from Podcast Village here in Washington, D.C., powered by KF Media. We are joined for this show. This episode includes, to my left, she is the former uh Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. I, I, for some reason, I got Bill Clinton on the head today. Uh, I, former Hillary Clinton, 2016 presidential campaign attorney in Ohio. She is Sharon Lachari. Uh, across the table from me, he is the former economic security advisor to President Obama's White House and a partner at, hold on, let me get it, I want to make sure I get it right. Is it Wilkes, no, Wilkie Farr in partner. He is David Mortlock. Close enough. Close enough. Close enough. No. It is Wilkie Farr, though. I knew that. Anyway, go. And across the table from me, he is the former undersecretary for foreign trade who served at last count under four presidents. He is the one we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. And in the cave, sitting next to our engineer, Rob Ford, straight out, straight from the hinterlands of the Great White North in Buffalo, New York, she is the former NBC and ABC News talent. The one we know as Laura Chavez. Hey, Laura, welcome. Hi, great like, to be here. Do you like being in there with Rob? It's I cool. do. We're, we're new buddies. Are you, are you guys bonding? We are. That's awesome. We're making bracelets. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Our executive producer, Deb Chandler, uh, somewhere here in the studio at a undisclosed spa somewhere is Audrey Howerton, and Manny, our associate producer, is roaming around doing uh, associate producer type stuff. All right, let's get to it. So here's a question for everybody. So I would say, what, about three weeks ago? Donald Trump, I mean, within a month, Donald Trump is showing polling numbers that are tanking. And then we have the Kavanaugh hearings. And then we have the caravan. And then we have the whole situation with Khashoggi, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the uh, murder journalist in in Turkey by the Saudi Arabian government. Um, You look at all this, and then this week... NBC Wall Street Journal polls show that Donald Trump is having the polling numbers of his career. He's up. And nobody can understand it. Nobody gets it. David, I'm going to let you take first shot before I give it. I gave Alan first dibs on the last show. I'm going to give you first dibs on this. What the hell? Sure. I'm, I, I would say let's not get too excited here. Uh, I mean, look, it's uh, it's a few points. We're not talking uh, uh, 80% approval rating here or anything like that. Uh, I mean, look, we could. But it's at the same place that theoretically Obama was at around the same time in his in his administration. I've seen that. And is how, he is he more? Alan's saying more. He is slightly above that uh, at the 2014 elections. And how the 2014 elections go for uh, Barack Obama? Well, 
Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. We're talking about two completely different animals, though, here. I mean, this is, I mean, this is a president, David. Sure, that, sure. 2010. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2000, yeah, yeah right. 2000, what, what do you say? 2014. 2010, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry, 2010. 2010. 2010, you're right, right. I mean, look, the, the point is, you know, okay, yes, he's a couple of steps up in the basement, but he's still in the basement. Uh, and, you know, what I mean, What basement look, are you living over? We're not talking about, these are not, you know, George W. Bush post 9-11 numbers we're talking about here. We're talking about an uptick of a few points. And look, I, I you know, m- maybe this is the, the start of his meteoric rise to, to massive popularity in this country <laughs> uh, and, and, and the most popular president in history. But uh, count me skeptical. I think at this point, it's still noise. Uh, right. and, and look, I think, I, you know, look, what we're seeing on the numbers overall is pretty steady. Right, uh, we're seeing. Sure, he's got a little bit of an uptick, but but nothing out of the ordinary compared to the last two years. Uh, and I think if you actually look at the numbers on the races going into November six, it's it's pretty steady. It's pretty steady. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, I I think look, what we are seeing is what you would expect, which is Republicans coming home in October. I mean, Lord Chavez. Let's talk about. It. I mean, your former employer, NBC News, is by no means a huge, overly generous propaganda tool for the Trump White House. And this is their polling numbers with the Wall Street Journal. You've been working the political circuit here over the past few weeks. Are are you seeing more of a positive spin coming from the Trump administration out in the field? I don't know if I'd call it a positive spin coming from really anyone at this point in time. I think what you're seeing is a lot of confused voters. I think you're seeing a lot of people who voted for Trump considering voting for Democrats. I feel like you're seeing a lot of Democrats considering like, hey, well, what is this going to do to Medicare and Medicaid and pre-existing conditions for me? So I feel like it's more of a confused electorate that you're looking at as opposed to a positive spin on anything. But, but I mean, Sharmila, going off of that, this uh, bipolar you know, identity crisis voting that we're dealing with there's no way to tell who's going to see a a red wave or a blue wave or if there's even going to be a wave at all well justin you also forgot to mention the historically low unemployment numbers which oh yeah yeah, that too yeah that too i mean also and a booming economy although although earlier in the week the you're welcome you know what you know what i'm going to put you in the cave you and chavez can switch you're right but continue on I forgot your question. I forgot your question. No, no, but I mean, we're literally dealing with a almost an identity crisis as far as polling and the electorate goes. I mean, I mean, there's no way we can tell if there's going to be a blue wave, a red wave, or any wave at all. Well, I think you've seen a combination of two factors. It's one, you know, certain circumstances convening in favor of the Republicans, including the kind of backlash to the Republic or to the Democrats outrage at the Kavanaugh hearings, this, you know, the optics of the migrant caravan that Alan was discussing earlier. And I think, you know, a lot of I'm sorry to say this, David, but and I'm sorry to say it to myself, um, a lot of mishandling of media cycles by the Democrats, especially the Kavanaugh hearings. So I think, you know, the as we talked about in the um, at our last show, the outrage that the Democrats managed to manufacture at a lot of the missteps of the Trump administration early in the year are not carrying forward, partially because there's burnout on the part of the voters and partially because the Democrats have mishandled things themselves. 
I mean, Laura Chavez, you're seeing the real world as opposed to the bubble here inside Washington. Is is Sharmila speaking truth to power? Um, in some circles, in a lot of large cities, yes, she is. She's totally speaking truth to power. But I've been actually bebopping around the country from Alaska to Florida, from Arizona to Maine, all over the place, including the flyover states. And every small community genuinely gives zero Fs about the news cycle anymore. It is There's a burnout there. They are tired of being stressed out about it. They are kind of defaulting to whatever the political campaign is or the political ad that is going on during The Voice or whatever it is that they're watching right now. That is how voter, a lot of voters are actually deciding the, who they're going to be The advertising is working is what you're saying out in the field. Right now, what I'm seeing is the advertising is working. And sadly, as with most as with most campaigns, the negative advertising is the ones, those are the ones that are really having the most stick effect. Alan, that, that's got to be a disturbing trend. Well, so it's nothing new that, that the negative ads uh, have the bigger impact. But I think Laura's uh, bigger point is that folks are watching The Voice. Folks are watching other things. They're living their lives and- They're streaming Netflix. Yeah, exactly. And the economy <laughs> continues to do really well. We can debate about why and who gets credit. It doesn't matter. The, the president serving gets the credit. Anybody else doesn't. And it's doing well. Unemployment is low. And and the stock market, although it's had a bad uh, last ten days, um, is still well up from from where things started. So, so to the extent that it's the economy stupid, and it's usually that more than any other issue, right? Uh, in in elections, um, uh, it, it, it is what's important here and then it becomes a question of turnout now i was noticing that nate silver so this this genius guru uh statistics right. maven right um he still predicts that the oh, that, 538.com right right he still predicts that re, the democrats will take over the house and he attaches to that a, a probability of 85 percent so 15 85 times out of 100 the the democrats will take control by at least one vote, it could be more, and there's a 15 chances out of 100 that they won't. So that's a pretty high percentage of a guy two weeks out who's who's known for being good on this stuff. But you know what it's not as high as? It's not as high as the probability just two years ago that Hillary Clinton would become the next president. Right. So, uh, right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, let him finish. Hold on, let him finish. We, you know, we, 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 we get excited about this stuff and, and there's still quite a bit of time, two weeks. We look at the news cycle over the last 10 days. Right. Look at the caravan. Look at look at the 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 murder of the journalist Khashoggi, um, yeah. and and who knows what we will have in the next week or two. It's true. By the way, by the way, the 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 pantomime act going in there by Laura Chavez inside the booth of her just throwing objects directly at you. Anytime not, someone brings up not, this caravan, I'm sorry. I know. It I know. Is I know. A visceral reaction. To me. I know. I know. It's 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 your nature. I get it. Uh, okay. By the way, if you're expecting all of us on the show to thank you and the Obama no, administration for the economy that we're dealing with, it's not happening. I'm gonna give. Oh, we'll get into that debate later, but... <laughs>
The Obama economy is doing very, oh, stop, very stop, nicely. Thank you very much. Stop. Uh, so, I, so I'm going to give 538 a little bit of credit here. In that, if you actually look at the numbers going into election day in 2016, they were Nate Silver had it about 3070. Uh, which thirty seventy that seventy percent that Hillary, that Hillary was going to win was going to win yeah uh, they, okay you know, even at seventy percent didn't well, look, call that, means, that one that means you run it three times one out of three one out of four the, the Trump's going to win that means it's entirely <laughs> possible so you know look but I agree so eighty five percent is higher than he had it at, at the, the, than than Hillary winning um, but look I, I I agree with your overall point that that you know it, this could all go this could all go anyway and and these individual races. Are really what it comes down to, and I, you know, I was on the doorsteps this weekend, uh, as I assume you all were too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, I got to say, I was actually really surprised with the number of undecided voters. Uh, and you know, uh, uh, my son kept yelling "trick or treat" at them, which which was probably <laughs> which was probably really throwing them off. <laughs> you know, but get them started young. Get That's them started awesome. Young. Uh, uh, but but yeah, I was really surprised the number of undecided voters, and I agree. I think people are just tuning in. I think they're looking at those negative ads. I think they're looking at you know uh, they're starting to to really uh, cement down and and uh, um, you know I think I think really a lot could happen in the next week. I agree. But but but, he, but here's the thing is and and Sharma, we we talked about this after uh, we first met in Ohio after uh, after you came back from Ohio after we met in Philly that you know it it it, it struck me that the polling numbers and I've said this before were so lost inside the fog of politics and inside the fog of the beltway, it struck me that when the day after the election in 2016, the, that, that day after I drove to Cleveland, and when it hit me was driving through southern Pennsylvania and seeing all the Trump yard signs that nobody thought would be possible, particularly in that part of Pennsylvania, and the pollsters missed it. I mean, not just missed it, but, I mean, massive whiff. So, I mean, can we expect that the polling numbers are going to be any more accurate this go-around? Well, I think historically you see that polling, traditional polling misses a large segment of the electorate, and it often misses the younger section of the electorate. Polling depends on landlines. Uh, it often doesn't capture cell phone data. And, you know, with the use of landlines... It's inaccurate. Yeah, the use of landlines skewing to older citizens. Right. You you miss a lot of the youth vote that, you know, people say either, you know, typically leans leftward. Uh, whether or not you can engage those voters to and actually have them turn out is what's going to make the biggest difference in this election. I think that, you know, we saw in our election in 2016 that as much as we did voter registration as much as we did get at the vote, it wasn't enough. And we didn't engage that generation enough to kind of shake them out of their apathy. So it's going to be curious if this generation of newer voters is shaken enough out of its apathy. And I think that to determine that you look at you look at phenomenons like the like Parkland students who have done such an amazing, incredible job of really reaching out to the children, or not even yeah, children, but, the but new, we, new voters of their generation. But we've been hearing about the active participation of the new young generation post-Parkland. We saw the march on D.C. We saw the feminist march right after the inauguration a uh, year and a half ago. It, it, something at some point, it, it just doesn't seem like 
it has uh, been a cohesive movement to get the vote out in those segments, or at least are we not seeing it in poll numbers and we won't know until November 6th? I think it's more of the latter. I, I do think you're right. There has not been one cohesive movement. And I think because there's been a lot of, because now, you know, progressive activists are very skittish of having one cohesive movement, right? They looked at the fact that the Clinton campaign was incredibly organized, incredibly well-funded, really you know, backed by this one central message, and it failed. And so now the sort of knee-jerk reaction to that is to say, we're not going to do that. We're not going to make that mistake again of seeming like we are this sort of like other corporate behemoth trying to just get you to buy our product versus the other guy's product. We are trying to reach undecided and new voters in a much more genuine, personal way. And to do that, you can't be a large voting block, right? You have to you have to be tailoring your approach to the individual segments that you're trying to target. And I think that that is somewhat of a deliberate move now by different groups of progressive activists to not get too big, to really seem community centric and, you know, centric to the, the age or the demographic that they're targeting. Hey, Laura, are you seeing the same thing? I think that uh, it kind of goes down to with the young, the youth vote. I think in every election, we always say that this is going to be decided by women, by minorities, by the youth vote. It's almost always decided by Caucasian old, older people, and that's fine. But I think with the youth vote to try and get them a little bit more um, involved, you actually have to treat it as um, I was talking with someone and they said their amazing analogy was you have to treat it like a craft beer. A young we are really millenn- dealing with. Well, yeah. Are we really dealing with microbrew politics? We're dealing with microbrew politics. If it doesn't <laughs> feel special, if you can't put it on Instagram, if you can't get that sort of recognition that all of the Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat generation has been brought up on, then you're not going to be seeing the same numbers that you wanted to see. You know, in so that would explain that would explain yes. Taylor Swift. It would explain Taylor Swift, but also if you look back to twenty or to two thousand eight. Sorry. Uh, could not get that number right. Um, but back to 2008, that's what Obama did. He made voting cool. If you make voting cool again, Hillary Clinton, as wonderful as I personally think she is, uh, she was not the ambassador of cool. And I think that was one of her problems. She couldn't actually like motivate this young generation that wanted to. But for right. some reason, Bernie Sanders could for an ironic reason, which I... Thank you, Sharmila. Um, I see you, Laura girl. just saw my face. I see you. Um, but that's kind of, that's got to be how you're getting at this youth vote. They're not going to just do this for democracy's sake. A lot of people are very disheartened by the way um, Social Security is going to be for them in the future. They're seeing Medicaid and Medicare. They're seeing a lot of benefits for people in the 1%, things right. that don't actually impact their lives. Alan, listening to Sharmila and listening to Laura, I, I mean... The Republicans might get blindsided on November six. Is that is that a possibility? Because they sure as hell are not talking that way. Well, that's because they've been so encouraged by the the shift um, in the poll in numbers their, in the poll numbers in in recent weeks for the president and for some of these uh, uh, close races uh, in the Senate and and in the House. Um, and so, having said that. And I and I and I do want to acknowledge before with David that 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 Nate Silver, yes, he did say. I think it was seventy two twenty eight. I say that only because I looked it up. <laughs> um, but but what I would have been better off if I had said the media 
is is about as sure of the blue wave uh, for taking over the House uh, this time, uh, almost as much as the media was convinced that Hillary Clinton was going to live the last time. Like not, not, today. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not Nate Silver, who, who actually studies the data and is is really smart and and quite good at it. Having said that, a month ago, everyone paying attention thought that the chances of the Democrats taking over the House was up in the mid-upper 90 percent, and then things started to change, and they started to close. Um, Some of that is presidential. Some of that is economic. Some of that is the natural close that tends to occur. There's this great effort to get people out. Laura makes this excellent point about young people and whether they're enthusiastic or not, and they can be for something. I mean, with Bernie Sanders, I said it many times, he just had all sorts of freebies for him, and it was exciting. Like, free stuff, great. Pay raises and free college and stuff. Who doesn't like? Who doesn't want that? Um, but there's no freebies out there. So then it's, well, is there some kind of anger or fear that 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 uh, well, might might motivate yeah, but, them? But the but ones who are playing, the, I mean, the, the Republicans are playing the fear card extremely well. well that 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 it's I mean not that just 45 kids. pack that 45 pack ad that's got literally Nancy Pelosi looking like Satan's butler is just absolutely over the top fear mongering look wow, it's, the, the, it's it's not just young people who don't respond forget sexism it's, yeah it's, it's a scary it's time just, to be a white male i hear it's not just yeah <laughs> <laughs> I heard a song about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold too. on, we'll get to that. Sorry, go just, ahead. Go we'll ahead. get to that in a second. Go the ahead. Security um, guard out. The security guard outside is not for you, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know what that even means. Okay. Us white guys, you know. Oh, we're, oh, we're oh, yeah. We need we're, the, we need yeah, the, we need the protection. I had no um, idea where that was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> finish your thought before no, I cut no, you off. I was simply saying that 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 old people, older folks, um, also are inspired by fear or ang- anger, and uh, and so yes. As if you're looking at ads, they're all negative. But, yeah, but so I mean, but we will the demonize the opponent if we can, because that tends to get a, a, a more effective voter response. Yeah, but I mean, David, look, I mean, traditionally, the people who vote in midterms are the older crowd, the the older, semi-retired or retired crowd that can that can go out during the day and go to a polling station and vote. Uh, that has always been the target of midterm election politicians that have that have gone for this. The, the 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 question I have is: Are we overestimating the power of the youth vote, or could we be pleasantly surprised at the active youth vote coming up? Well, look, I'll say a couple of things, which is I think first of all. You know, no question that we, no question that we don't have a, a a tough time on the Democratic side relying on a consistent youth vote, particularly in the midterms, right. uh, and, and that that is always a challenge going into a midterm election. Um, but you know, look, um, I, I think a couple of things, which is number one, the the negative ads coming from the Republican side, and the, the voter roll purging. Uh, it, it does not say a lot about the Republican message if that is the they feel the best way they can win elections. Uh, and so, you know, um, I, I think they, they are looking really scared going into this. I, I think right. the second is, look, 
there's there is a lot of enthusiasm on the Democratic side. You look at you look at Taylor Swift's Instagram feed, which I may have, and you will see hundreds hundreds of pictures that she has posted. I, I want that on record. Of people, please, Rob. Wait a minute. Of Rob, people please voting. tell me you captured of, that. Please tell me you captured look that at on it right audio. Now. I, I advise everybody to look at it right now. It is hundreds of pictures of 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 young people voting and that she is promoting as and making it cool. And I think I think look, we we definitely may see that on September uh, November six. But uh, but we're not relying on it, and that's why how, we're on, that's why we're on you, the doorsteps. Okay, for, two uh, two questions before we go to break, because we we got to go to break here real quick. First question is, how did you make partner? Is my question. <laughs> and second of all, do you really look at Taylor Swift's feed that often? Do, do you not? Do you not? I'm, I feel, not, gonna, uh, I'm not even going to answer that. I'm not even answering that. The guy's, the guy's just being honest, right? I, the, the, yeah. I think there's yeah. 70 I've, million. I've got my, I've got my yeah. finger on the pulse of yeah. the youth. R- Rob inside the cave, flag the past two minutes. I want that. <laughs> That's going to be his new ringtone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue. This is Backroom Politics in Depth, live from Podcast Village, powered by KF Media. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. And all the stars seem fresh painted. And here's what I long to say to you. Hello, heartstring, where have you been? If you could only read my mind, what a tale you'd find. If I could, I would be bound forever, and I'd never sever me from you. won't believe it's true but i've been missing you i dream of kissing you let's give it one more chance one more slow dance heartstring let's cling tie my heart to you hello tell you fine if I could I would be bound forever and I'd never sever me from you Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. Welcome back to Backroom Politics In-Depth. Joining me here in studio, Sharmila Chari, uh, David Mortlock, Alan Moore, and somewhere there in the cage is Laura Chavez. Manny is running around, our assistant producer, Deb Chandler, our executive producer, is running around. Of course, Audrey Howerton, our producer, running around some undisclosed spa location in Saratoga Springs, New York. Uh, I want to continue this, this, this dialogue on, on, on what the, these polling numbers are showing and what we could possibly affect. And it gives me an opportunity to 
promote. First of all, uh, those tuning in that were expecting to hear Santana Moss, let me be clear. Uh, Santana had an emergency, had to shift. He will be on next week. Uh, at the same time, same bat channel. So Santana Moss will be on next week. And uh, Santana's a great fan of the show, great fan of Podcast Village, and actually broadcasts here. Rob, he broadcasts from here, correct? Uh, Rob saying that, yeah, he's, he broadcasts here. Yeah, he's getting thumbs up. Anyway, uh, let's continue on about about the about these pollings because we're going to talk about this uh, in our pregame for our midterm show next week. But... As far as momentum goes, who owns the momentum right now? Alan, I'll give you first dibs on this one. So I don't think either side owns the momentum, but it has clearly shifted some. It is it, 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 the, the Democrats have had the momentum since early on in this administration, uh, and it's gotten little boosts along the way with uh, some of the uh, the things that this president has done and said that that many 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 people have found offensive. Uh, having said that, um, it it's also true that the economy has continued to do very well. That matters. Uh, that matters a lot. And, right. And then in recent weeks, as we were discussing before, there have been a few things that caused Republicans who were, or shall we say, Trump voters. Um, some of whom are Republican and right. some of whom are independents, uh, found themselves turned off by a lot of what he was saying and doing and began to kind of take for granted um, the, the, the boost, the strength of the economy, well, and then found uh, something that offended them. I mean, the, right. Ka- the Kavanaugh hearing um, got the attention, um, oddly, um, uh among a lot of Republicans who thought, you know, I don't like what what has been done to this person, right. even as there were many others who uh, who th- concluded that he was guilty and was right. unqualified either either because of the charges made or his behavior in the hearing. Right. But it 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 re-energized a bunch of people who had had not been paying attention and who might have who might have sat right. out. We don't know if they would have right. sat out because they tend as you get closer to the election to to be more responsive. Right. Lord Chavez, I mean going back to one of the first points that Alan brought up is the economy, we keep hearing it's the economy, the economy's strong. Are you finding that the economy is really that powerful of a mantra to get people to go out and vote and possibly vote Trump or vote Republican? I, um, From what I've seen over the past few weeks, I think the illusion of the economy is something that's really define that uh i think that it's something that everyone's like oh my gosh the economy's doing so well yeah it's doing so well for the people who are getting these massive tax breaks and getting some stock buyback and stuff like that you're not seeing it trickle down to the people who are working fast food jobs who are working you know uh blue collar industries or anything like that i think they're seeing that the stock looks stock prices look really good i think they're hearing that the economy's doing well doing well and they're just kind of basing their vote in faith that at some right. point in time it will come down to that uh, and more I, I want to go back to you because quite frankly we're outnumbered as republicans in the studio right now uh i i will say this laura brings up an interesting point how do the republicans counterbalance the fact that a is the t- is the tax breaks that 
the administration pushed this year actually getting down to the workers it was supposed to help is the Trump administration actually making decisions that are helping the people that got him elected because it doesn't seem like they're they're getting short-term gains but not long-term runs well there there's several parts to what you're asking there but but in terms of the the tax bill um and translating the tax bill into something that that millions of individuals feel like they benefited from that has not occurred whether that was because of the nature of the bill the the messaging the fact that $80 a month in in increased salary doesn't translate to uh anything you feel there, there are a variety of, uh, of elements to that. There's also an enormous amount of criticism, the, 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 the notion that the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer uh, because of the tax right. bill, I think is something we could have an interesting debate about. I don't think it accurately reflects what's going on. Right. The, the, the corporate piece of the, of, of, of the tax package, which in my mind was the only one that had any, any legitimate economic justification, um, has made a difference, but it doesn't translate automatically to people. They think, oh, those evil corporations made a bunch of money. Now, right. something like $30 billion of special bonuses from U.S. companies to employees has been paid out this year, largely as a result of companies deciding that now that they have more after-tax income that, right. that, 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 that they want to share it. Right. Um, but I think that that it's the the fact that people can find work if they want it. Um, there has been, contrary to um, a lot of the the conversation out there, some increase in in real wages um, that is is spread pretty broadly um, uh, in in the economy. But he- not not enough to make a massive difference, but enough to when people think right. there's going to be a job and if right. I and if I want work I can find it. That is right. huge, and there's been a bu- people who are sitting on the side who have who've returned to the right. market. Charmley, but I, I look at where you are in New York City. You know, you look at Wall Street. You actually you look at the Manhattan skyline. It keeps going up and up and up. There's a lot of rich people on Wall Street and in Midtown Manhattan making a ton of money off of the strong economy that the Trump. Paid. Yet you go to the Upper Bronx, or I mean, you go to the Lower Bronx, for example, or uh, you go to certain parts of Newark, New Jersey. They're not feeling it, and those were supposed to be the people that benefited mostly from this tax cut. Were they? Where that's the that's the message that the administration was putting out. You disagree with that? I do disagree with that. I think that they they posited that the folks you know near where I'm from in you know Basking Ridge, New Jersey, and Bridgewater, New Jersey, and Bedminster, New Jersey, where the president's club is. Those folks, those middle class suburban folks would benefit from the tax bill. They never talked about the, you know, poor working class and especially the the communities of color that live in places like the Bronx and Newark. So I don't think it was ever in their intention to to benefit the sort of folks in the in the lowest but, income bracket. Right. But they, David Mortlock, I've talked to cable installers who work for Comcast. I have talked to people who are working in 
manufacturing out in Wisconsin, and they're saying, hey, I just got a $1,500 check. I am I am all over. Look at this strong economy. To me, that seems like a benefit. Well, sure, and <laughs> I think that's a little anecdotal. Yeah, well, of uh, course right. it is. Uh, this the, entire look, administration, is, isn't look, it anecdotal? The reality is is that the, the tax bill is incredibly unpopular uh, for exactly the criticisms uh, that were given when it was passed, which is it's a massive trillion-dollar deficit uh, busting uh, corporate tax cuts that has, has been uh, spent overwhelmingly on stock buybacks. It, 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 and, and dividends. It, it is. It is. You know. It's ex- which, as Sharma said, is exactly what uh, the president and members of Congress intended it for. And I think that you know what what has been become plainly obvious. Yes, it has given the economy uh, already what was already a great economy a sugar rush. Uh, but was it worth $1.2 trillion hole in deficit? But is which that, I is am, that going I am to old get... enough to remember when you guys didn't like deficit spending okay. uh, and uh, and really had a problem with that. <laughs> only so, only oh, when Democrats are in the White House. Exactly, exactly. Uh, when we're I, in the White House, like a, we're like... Thank you for that honesty, Alan. Uh, I, believe, yeah. I believe the term rank hypocrisy was what I just, just used. Oh, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Exactly. This coming from the Democrats... Who invented the word rank hypocrisy? Come on, really? Don't throw. Come on. But her emails. But her emails. Stop. 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 (laughs) Enough. All right. Cut his mic off. Here we go. Uh, Laura Chavez, you know, you coming in from Buffalo, which is just in upstate New York. uh, These are people that a really do not care the opinion of what's happening inside the Beltway. Number two, they care about their health care. They care about their paycheck. They care about uh, when the Connors are going to be on their DVR. The, these, the, I mean, they literally have. I mean, are you getting the sense that people have given up on the political process, particularly in this cycle? Um, it's not so much that they've given up. It's just that they've lost are interest. They jaded? They're jaded. They've lost a little bit of interest. We've been bombarded by news stories with from the political angle from every which way. Uh, like you said, I was in Buffalo, and that's actually one of the more interesting races happening in the country right now. I believe it's uh, Nate McMurray versus Chris Collins. Chris Collins was just right. indicted for tax fraud. That's a race where people are like, "Oh, I'm interested." There's a scandal. If something doesn't, ha- if a race doesn't have a scandal attached to it right now, people are like, "Meh." Cool. That that that's that is disturbing as all get up. That's kind of what we're looking at all around, right? Sharmila. Well, I agree with Laura, and I also think one thing that we were discussing when you were having a debate with Alan earlier that popped into my mind was that I think part of the reason the Democrats are also losing a bit of wind at their sails is because a lot of the Democratic electorate is pulled in different directions, right? You know, even though there's a ton of local races that people can get involved in. People tend to gravitate to where there's a scandal or where, to Laura's point, there's a cool candidate. Look at all the money and interest that's going into Beto O'Rourke, right? When, you know, realistically, he does not have a great chance of winning. And that sort of money and resources, those money and GOTV resources. So what's the net gain? But but here's the thing, what is the net gain for the Dems if Beto O'Rourke, I mean, other than the fact that they've created a new, younger version of. I don't want to call him Bernie Sanders. He doesn't have the exact same views as Bernie Sanders, but another cause celeb Democrat that's going to go under to a Republican incumbent? 
I mean, what what what's the net gain for having Beto O'Rourke go head to head and spend that kind of money against Ted Cruz? I mean, it's better than not fielding a candidate that gets people excited, right? It's you know, it's somewhat of the phenomenon that John McCain went with with Sarah Palin was I'd rather shoot for the moon going for a win yeah. than you know play oh. it safe and know that I'm going to lose. Alan, you agree? I, there's uh, yeah, I think there's something uh, to that. I don't have any pro- You know, if 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 the if the media loves a candidate, I swear I'm going to put gloves on you. The, next the week. media didn't and, give him thirty eight million dollars. No, no, but they helped make him the kind of phenomenon that. That um, millions of donors who did, provided who did, who did, to Beto. I'm, I'm talking about Beto. Um, no, no, but, uh, but who who brought him to this level? Well, so so he became this great media darling and a darling of some Democrats, and it took off, and people responded. He got money from the state, money from all over the country. The thought was, we hate Ted Cruz. Oh my God, there might be an outside chance of actually. Beating Ted Cruz, wow! Talk about a twofer. Pick up a Senate seat and get rid of the this this guy that is the most despised by all members of the U.S. Senate uh, senator. Um, true. And and so it it was it was kind of a, a unique phenomenon. He's attractive and appealing, but oh my God! If you ever if you were paying any attention over the last few months, at at all of the profiles, these praiseworthy Kennedy esque profiles of of beto and people responded i don't have a quarrel with that and if it was to god it's what, tens what, what, of what millions that, of dollars what is, what is in that game well i mean I theoret- it's theoretically not, let's well, let's, Justin, let's see let's see what happens it looks like cruz will pull this out it's not guaranteed that cruz will win it's likely that he will win that was less obvious about six or eight weeks ago um, than it than it is today. But that's why we have elections. We see what happens. I right. mean, it, if the money didn't go to Beto, it's not like it was going to go elsewhere. This wasn't like a, a, a giant pack or, or consolidated, Wait, whoa, whoa, coordinated whoa, 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 money. Yeah, but here's, here's the funny thing about that is, and and, I, and, and Sharma, I want to bring this up to you, is, you, you know, earlier in this cycle, it was uh, Horacio Ortiz. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I can't, I, I, AOC. Well, is that acceptable? Yeah. Okay. AOC was the big darling of the Democratic Party. She had. She was after going after she won. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, after, I I mean, after she won. No, 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 no. But, 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 but here's the thing: is you know <laughs> that is going to be a Democratic. Uh, that's going to be a Democratic district, no matter what. What she did is she took out a. For lack of for lack of better phrasing, a um, she took out an incumbent who had become disengaged from his district. Thank you, thank you. But the thing about it is, after we started seeing, it, and the media propped her up once she won that that primary, she has not been the darling that the Repo- that the Democrats were looking for by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. She's had bad press performances. She's had bad public performances. And I mean, would would they have better would the Democrats have been better spent putting all that emphasis on Beto instead of maybe dividing it in with an AOC? They didn't well, spend I, I money on AOC. Yeah, they didn't they spend, spend they, money on AOC. They are now. No, they're not. No, she's, no, she's, she's, you just said it's a guaranteed Democratic win. I'm right. and, and, got and, that one locked down. They're not spending money on her. She's got right, whatever money you need, but that that's just not a competitive district for Republicans. I think Republicans. you're also comparing apples to oranges here, right? They're not... 
they're not equivalent races, right? The reason that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was propped up by the media wasn't because, you know, she was this quote-unquote Democratic darling, but she is somewhat emblematic of the future of the Democratic Party and the future of, and right, this up-and-coming electorate, right? The fact that a young woman of color managed to topple a 20-year veteran of the House of Representatives who had millions and millions of dollars in his war chest is an impressive and, you know, unusual feat. And so the fact that the media highlighted it and then also created this narrative that, like, look, this is the changing face of the Democratic Party and the changing face of the American electorate. Americans aren't looking for the same old thing. They're looking for people who are different. They're looking for people who look like them is very different from the fact that, to Alan's point, you get a double whammy with with uh, Beto O'Rourke in that, right. yes, he is this young, you know, good-looking, cool, right. aspirational candidate. And two, he is up against one of the most reviled right. members of Congress. Hey, re- real quick, before, before we've got seven minutes left in the show, but I did not want to leave the show without talking about the fact that uh, this week the president has uh, sent uh, National Security Advisor John Bolton to Moscow and basically went over there to say, yeah, we're pulling out of... Uh, the we, we, which treaty did we pull out of, David? Uh, uh, Alan, gonna, um, it's the interim range. Was it the uh, interim intermedi- range? Intermediate range intermediate. nuclear force. Oh, right, the right. INF. The INF. But, we pull. But it, which the is, I is intermediate range. It's 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 missiles that 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 travel a distance of three hundred to just the, over three thousand miles. Right. The, the the question is though is. If you look at what the media is saying, the media is saying that this is the beginning of a brand new arms race, a brand new Cold War. Uh, David and uh, Alan, I want to go to both of you. David first. I mean, are we are we literally on the verge of a brand new Cold War with the Russians and a nuclear build out that's going to bring back mutually assured destruction? I, uh, no, I don't. I don't think that's the implication. I mean, look. Obviously, there's the there's the very immediate issue of of is this gonna uh, is this gonna result in more an arms pro- race? In, in, Have we started an arms race? I don't think this is going to start an arms race, right? I, I think what this is and what this is uh, another symptom of is the United States abandoning its uh, its commitments and leadership around the world and 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 retreating. To our to our zone of uh, uh, our zone of interest, um, rather than actually leading around the world, right? Who who does the who does this treaty affect? It doesn't really affect the United States so much as it affects Europe, right? Uh, and, and and you know exactly as Alan said, intermediate range, right? Um, you know, and and this it's sort of more emblematic of this issue of we're we're going to stand over here, sort out our own interests, and the rest of the world can take care of itself. And I think right. that is that's extremely dangerous, both for the world, but also for the United States leadership uh, and influence in it. Right, Alan Moore. Yeah. So so. I kind of half agree with with David. He, well, he crap, that I, never happens. I know, I know. That never <laughs> happens. <laughs> he, Rob, mark he, that, flag he, that tape too. He he makes his you know not a typical mistake of overstating a case, but but uh, so do we all from time to time. Um, <clears throat> the Russians had been in violation of the terms of the INF Treaty for years, right? And. And we have been struggling with what to do about that, and what the president decided to do was simply say, "Well, then we're going to we're right. going to get rid of it." Besides, right, the, it, the, 
we're not going to start building those kinds of weapons now. The Russians will continue to to build some. But if you if but, you watch but, the tweets coming out by Donald Trump, he's like ready to build out no, big ICBMs I, I, again. Yeah, okay, so so that's fine. What are why are why are we all of a sudden taking his tweets suddenly seriously? For him to spend money on those kinds of weapons takes uh, going to the Congress and getting the Congress to a degree, to to agree. There were two things that should have happened. One, we should have gone to the Russians along with our European allies and said, it's time right. to to update this agreement. You guys are in violation. It was it was it it, right. it made a lot of sense when Reagan and Gorbachev took thousands of missiles off the map and destroyed these warheads. It made all kinds of sense. It made made for for different reasons. Um, it was it was Russian interests in America and in in in, in, in uh, or the Soviet interests and American interests coming together. More. But the bigger problem today is with the Chinese, who are not part of the INF. If we could have come together with the Russians on a redo, a modernization, and pulled the Chinese in, it was a long right. shot. But in my judgment, that would have been a better use of this effort. But but I don't see that it's not going to trigger some massive uh, battle. And it may be that we back into now some kind of a tri got, a trilateral three country agreement. All right. We got two minutes left in the show. Um, first of all, eight. Hey, Laura Chavez, what do you think? You like the new digs? Yeah, totally digging them. Yeah, this, nice. is your, this is your first time. This is your first time in studio, right? It is. Oh. I really enjoy it. Thank yeah, you so much. We like for having you. We like having you here. What do you mean you're part of this? I I know it's just I'm so rarely here on a Tuesday. That's true. Too. She's hoping that someday she could sit at the big kids table. I she, know, man. Oh, this see, is like hazing. Well, well, it is your first show. I know. Cool. I mean, I wow. Thanks, this. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for that one, Alan. Uh, anyway, uh, on behalf of our executive producer Deb Chandler, our producer Deb, uh, Deb our producer Audrey Howerton. At our undisclosed spa location, Saratoga Springs. Manny, our associate producer, uh, want to thank you for joining us. Joining me, as always, Sharma Chari, David Mortlock, Alan Moore, Laura Chavez, first time in the studio. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Thanks for joining Backroom Politics in depth. You can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Backroom Politics Radio. And I've been also told. Follow us on Instagram. You can follow our Instagram. Just uh, like Taylor. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Taylor will tweet us out. That would be awesome. Or, or Instagram play with us. That would be awesome. Uh, thanks for listening as always. Oh, and you can also send your hate mail to me, Justin, at backroompolitics.org. And, oh, yeah, thanks a lot. Rob Ford, our engineer as always. Thanks a lot, my brother. We'll see you next week. Have a great week, America. And... Remember, don't forget to vote. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.